You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. Well, hey, good morning, New Life. How's everybody doing? Pretty good. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you. Uh, Man, I always love coming down to New Life. But I got to tell you, today, when I was here at New Life, this is a different church than I was here last time. So with the addition of the space, a lot of the renovations you guys have done with the essential store over here, if you guys haven't done or if you haven't seen that yet, uh, it's just incredible. Like the, this, this church is incredible. Like if, if my family and I lived here in Wayland, this would be our church. So it's just good to be with you. Uh, if you don't know, if you're new, first time uh, or first time hearing from me, uh, I'm our teaching pastor for the Zero Collective. So Josh briefly mentioned it. And if you're wondering, like, what is the Zero Collective? Actually, these five banners here on the side uh, articulate what the the Zero Collective actually exists to do or what it believes in. Uh, And so we're four different churches that believe all of these things. Um, We believe that there are zero gods before God. We want to see zero people unconnected in community. We want to see zero unfulfilled callings with zero needs among us and then zero lost people. So summarized all together, um, we want to see zero people unchanged by the gospel of Jesus. So that's what brings us together as all four churches. So Wayland, New Life here in Wayland is one of them. We have another church in Byron Center called Center Church, uh, another one in Comstock Park called Story, and then Frontline Church in Grand Rapids was the one that Josh was talking about. So uh, I get to teach at all four of those, and actually this series has been a lot of fun for me because I've taught one sermon at each church. And so this is the close of the series. It's been a marriage series, uh, which has been fun. So all three weeks has been marriage, but then today we're talking about singleness. And uh, I'm so excited about singleness. Thank you, Dan. I'm so excited about singleness for this particular sermon uh, because something that I noticed, like even coming into this series, I was excited about it. I had a lot of energy for it. I'm like, all right, man, marriage. God has a lot to say about marriage. I, I do a lot of weddings also. And so marriage is like this giant metaphor that God uses to put himself on display. So marriage, there was a ton of content. And I remember I was getting ready to preach it week number one at Frontline. And I was in our green room right before service, and I started taking note of everybody in the room, and almost half of the people, I think we had 16 or 17 people in the room, almost half of them were single of some variation. So some of them were single due to divorce, some of them were widowed, um, some were widowers, um, some were um, never married and always single, some were remarried. Um, I mean, it was just like there was a cross-section of entirely different people, but would all fall under the same heading of single. And honestly, every church that I've spoken at since has lived up to that same stereotype, if you will. It's every church I've been in, I've been very aware of those that are single in the group. And so singleness, there's so much that the Bible even says, not, not just about singleness, but, but about an avenue that God uses to invite us to experience him fully. So I wanna say this statement. I think this is just a phenomenal statement. If marriage is designed to show the world the shape of the gospel, which is what we talked about. It's been a metaphor. If marriage exists to show the world the shape of the gospel, then singleness is designed to show the world the sufficiency of the gospel. As in, it it is enough. 
It's more than enough. A relationship with Jesus is fullness. You can find fullness whether you're single or married. So we're going to dive in. If you have your Bible, open up your Bible. Um, it's so important. What we're going to talk about today, uh, it's going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse 26. And it's important because so many of the characters, the important, prominent, significant, changing figures in the Bible were single. Jesus would have been one of them. Paul would be another one, and Paul wrote this. He, he says this, because of the present crisis, he's writing to this church in Corinth, Corinth, because of the present crisis, I think that it's good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife, but if you do marry, you have not sinned, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. Uh, everybody say amen. Amen. And I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. I love that, that verse. What I mean by this is the time is short. The first message that I really ever preached, it was to a giant college group. It was when I was graduating, and I was looking at like the campus ministry group at Grand Valley, and I had one message, and it came out of James 4, and it says this, your life is but a mist. Your life is but a mist. I brought like a Windex bottle up there, and I just sprayed it so that it missed it and it disappeared. Paul is writing this with this in mind. He's saying, brothers and sisters, the time is short. We often live like we have 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years on this earth. And even if we do, it's going to go like that. Uh, something I've learned even after having kids. So I have Judah. I have a three-year-old. Uh, and then we have another one on the way coming in December. Um, something that a lot of parents have told me that are farther on or, or further along, you know, just in season and raising kids, they say the days are long, but the years are short. Isn't it funny that like different seasons of life give you an appreciation for time? And oftentimes like circumstances or the loss of somebody in your life or, or the diagnosis of a health condition or something, it often reminds us life is not forever on this earth. It's short. It's limited. So with that in mind, Paul is penning these words to a church. They're in crisis. He says, the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not, those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them, for the world in its present form is passing away. Paul is highlighting an urgency that so many of us forget. And so here's what I wanna do. I wanna talk specifically today to the crowd that is single right now. And what Paul is saying is, I want you to have an appreciation. I want you to lean in. I want you to engage with the season of life that you are presently in. Now, if you're married or if you're, if you're together with somebody else, if you're in a committed relationship, whatever, uh, here's what I also want to say to you. And I, I just wanted to be careful as I said this, but in my preparation, it's just this is just a truth we need to sit with there's a good chance you won't be together forever. One of the things uh, Brian, our lead pastor, said in week two of this marriage series is he said almost all marriages, you know, like are gonna end up with one person standing over the coffin of the other. So e even this thing that's designed to point us to the person of Jesus has an expiration date. So you, you may not be single today. You may be in a relationship and you may go, this series is not for me. This series is for you and this sermon today might be for you soon 
or it might be for you in five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, that there's a, there's a good chance. It's funny how much singleness plays a role in all of our lives. So it's important. We gotta lean in. Uh, so I love this. He says this, basically, if I can summarize. Whatever your circumstance is today, embrace that from a missional standpoint. Let's keep reading. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 32. He says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Pay attention to the heart, the gravitation of the heart in this passage, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are, say it with me, divided. That's a key word. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in, say it with me, undivided devotion to the Lord undivided devotion to the Lord. The mission we've all been called to is the gospel of Jesus. Marriage is meant to push us and drive us towards that mission. As soon as it becomes anything but, our hearts become divided. Singleness, what Paul is saying is your heart needs to be undivided. That is so difficult. I mean, if you would have asked me that, what that's like 10 years ago, I would have said, that's impossible. How, how, can I, how can I let go of this thing called marriage or a relationship, desires for a family, kids someday, a companion, grandkids? Like, how, how, can I, how can I let that go to be undivided with Jesus? I mean, that, that just seems impossible. But, but this is important. I, I want to say this statement. Write this down. The calling God has for all of us is not singleness or marriage. So often we think through this lens. We think God must be calling me if I'm single. Maybe it's a calling to be single that I want to resist or fight or, or not lean into. Or he's calling me into marriage and I just haven't yet met the one. And so God, as soon as you provide the one, then I can do what you've called me to do. The calling God has for all of us is not singleness or marriage, but a surrendered heart to him. That's what he's after. That's what he wants. He wants your heart, not part of it, not three quarters of it, not 99% of it. What he wants is 100%. He wants your heart. This is how most of us approach God. God, I've given you my life, so what I want from return, or what I want in return from you is this. I'll take a wife, please. I mean, is that inaccurate? I mean, go to your local Christian university. I, I mean, it's like the desire there is, okay, God, I've given you my heart. Now you're supposed to fill the void that is there that I desire from this world, from other people, from relationships, from, from a spouse. That's, that's not what he's after. Uh, or this, maybe a lot of us come in with this approach or this mentality. In order to be full or complete or whole, I need a spouse to do or be who you've called me to be. God, if you really want 100% of me, give me what I want, and then you'll get all of it because I'll be better. I think often when we're in a place of singleness, it's, it's, it feels like it's sometimes thrust upon us. 
I mean, like for me, I already told you, it was like by default. Like I, I wanted this thing. Like I'm a dog chasing a car on the highway. It's like the farther it gets, I just lose more and more hope. Like why? And then another one zips past. And I was like, I have hope again. Like this was my life. Anybody else relate to that? That one really connected. I didn't think about that ahead of time, but that's good. Let's close in prayer. I can't even get out of that mind. So I was talking to Brad this week just in preparation for today. I said, what, what do the people at New Life need to know? What do they need to hear? I mean, because there's a world that is desperate and hungry for what only Jesus can provide. That's, that's why we're spending so much time on it. Here's why so many of us want to dismiss singleness, though. Here's why we want to dismiss, or we want to resist, or we want to fight because of this. It's lonely. Amen? It's lonely. Um, so many of us want a companion, someone to do life with. Um, we fall into this thing called the comparison trap. Isn't it funny? When I, I still remember, I, I was getting so frustrated in my relationship with God, especially like in college. Um, I used to, I had this statement, it's just whatever, it's a statement. I used to say, I feel like God is for me in every area of my life except relationships. And in that one, he's actively opposed. And it was like, things can't go this bad unless God's involved against me. Like, it's like, God, it was perfect, like right there. Nope, falls apart, bottom falls through, whatever it was. What's so funny is like comparison, I remember getting frustrated looking at the relationships of my friends around me and saying, why is it working for them and not for me? And I, I honestly think, I think that gets worse and worse and worse over time. I think the older we get, especially things, whether it's in our world or in the workplace or here at church, I think that one sometimes is the most painful. When you see other things or ministries or, or groups that are geared towards married people and you feel left out. It's just, a, it is so hard to be single today. It is so difficult but, but I want to go back. I mean, if marriage exists to show the shape of the gospel to the world, then singleness exists to show the sufficiency. God is enough. He says this, John chapter 10. I love this. Jesus is saying, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life. He's talking about us. I have come that they may have life and have it to the, say it with me, full. He's not saying I came to give you a half life and then the other half will be found in a spouse. He's saying, in me, if you have a relationship with me, 100% of the fullness of your life will be gifted to you. He's offering sufficiency, wholeness. I am the good shepherd, he says. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, which is exactly what he did. I think... What's dangerous is when a spouse becomes a solution to a problem rather than a partner for mission. If we're looking for a spouse to fix something or to solve something in our lives or to add something that we lack or are missing or desire, when we're looking for a spouse with those things in mind, it becomes dangerous because a spouse cannot deliver 
what is needed or looking for apart from Jesus. Well, God desires, I mean, even in, in marriage, he desires two people to be on mission in unity for him together. But it is not required to live on mission and have a full life in him. So I have this, this illustration. This is a table. I want to show you this table. This is often um, like in my single days, which were long and many, as we've already talked about. It should be coming up. should be that photo. There it is. Um, this was it. It was like, if this is my life, if I'm trying to balance things, I'm trying to balance work and friendships and my time in school and degree, furthering my career, education, uh, relationships, family, like you name it. If, if this is my life, if this is what it was, marriage was this giant thing that, that tended to center in the, in the middle of my mind or in my thoughts life or in my desire. To, it was like marriage had an attachment to everything. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like when you go to work, you're like, all right, how many potential spouses are here? <laughs> I worked a lot. I had a lot of different jobs. It was like, it didn't matter where I went. It was like, uh, is she here, Lord? Or do you plan to introduce me through here? Which one is it? Um, marriage like dominated everything. Like to the point that, it, like I, I actually gave my life to the Lord and I was like, Lord, I, doesn't it come next? It's like step one, step two. Like step one was you, step two is her. Where's, where's she? And it was like, it, it kept not working. This is, this is like how I would think. Everything else got balanced or it got pushed out. Notice nothing is overlapping with marriage. Marriage overlaps everything else. For me, it was the central focus. Sometimes, and this is dangerous, I wanna talk about this too, also for married people. Sometimes your marriage functions like this and it's not supposed to. That, it, that it's your center of gravity and everything revolves around it. That's false. Notice, I put God in the bottom right corner. This is how God often functioned or my relationship with God. It was like I put him on the side he was easily accessible. I knew where to find him. I would consult him if needed. There's a little notepad, like I'll journal or I'll write down like, okay, what, what did he say or what do I need from him or whatever? Like this is my prayer life, but God, as soon as I get marriage, then I'll be able to give my life to you because then the box will be checked. It doesn't work like that. So I made this stupid decision. I was reading a book with a group of friends that were also single. Um, most of them ended up not being single pretty quickly. And then I was like, this seemed like a bad deal for me. Not only am I single, now I'm reading a book <laughs> about singleness, and you guys stopped reading. So it was, it was weird. Uh, but one of the things that suggested or throughout was take a year off of dating. It's like, why, why would I do that? Like, I'm finally fishing in the big pond. I'm in college. Like, it's no longer small town. Like, everybody knows each other. You're somehow related. You don't have to worry. It's like... Like, I was away. I was gone. It was like prime pickings. It's hunting. It's rut season. That's what it was like. It was like, this is, this is great. And I felt like the book said, and I honestly, it wasn't even just the book. It was God going, I, I want you to do this. I want you to hit pause. I want you to take a break. I want you to do this. This is what happened. Go to the next slide. I want you to take marriage off the table and to treat it as this subpar thing that you don't do anything with for one year. And I want the central focus of everything you do to be him. You know what happened two months in? This is such a classic. It should be a movie. <laughs> a girl I had a thing for calls me out of the blue 
leaves me a voicemail and was like, hey, give me a call. And I'm sitting there like, are you kidding me right now? I ignored it. I I was at the place where I was like, Lord, I want so desperately to know what you have for my life. And if it means hitting pause and taking a break, then, then I'll do it and I'll rest. Some of you in your season of singleness right now maybe need to take a break to take it off the table or to remove it altogether because you know what happened? Everything changed and reoriented in that year. Everything. It was all of a sudden I started to realize like, okay, God has called me to something and it's, it's fullness and sufficiency can be found in him, not what I was chasing. You know how dangerous it would have been had I wet or had I met um, my wife in that mode of just looking, 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 looking. Look. You know how dangerous it would have been? I would have crushed her. Be- because the weight of the expectations that she would fix me would have crushed her and it would have crippled our marriage. But it's funny, when you reorient and you center your life on, on the person of Jesus that matters the most, everything else begins to order correctly. God does not promise marriage but I, I listed out a number of different people um, in my life. It actually wasn't hard. It took me just a couple minutes of single people in my life that have made a profound impact on my life and my relationship with Jesus. It was really incredible. I mean, like people I wrote down here, one of them was a high school youth leader. Um, he was in his 60s. We went on a mission trip together. His name was Kenny Brown. I loved Kenny Brown. It was like just time with Kenny Brown just changed everything for me. I mean, I remember being on a roof with him down in Mexico. We were doing a mission trip and just talking with him and life with him and learning from him. Like Kenny Brown has no idea the impact he made on me. And yet I wonder, I mean, even years later, it's like I just I wonder what that season of life was like for him. I, I don't know if he was married. Uh, all I know is he was single. I don't know if he had lost a spouse or if it ended in divorce, but, but what I do know and what I did experience from Kenny Brown was he, he threw his life into our church and in me personally, and he changed me. I think of other ones. I, I had a fifth-grade teacher that really, I mean, she, she drastically impacted my life as a single person. I mean, she was single into her 40s, never married, but the impact that she had on me, I mean, it was profound, uh, my uncle was another one. Uh, my best friend of 10 years has been single for almost all 10 of those. I mean, it's just, there's so many people discredit singleness. And you know what's funny? As I was thinking about this, a lot of you maybe have roots or background, uh, or maybe just some of you have roots or background like in the Catholic church. I went to a Catholic high school in my freshman year, and it's really interesting because singleness is celebrated in the Catholic church. Like, like if you devote your heart to the Lord and you become a nun or a priest or a monk, or what, it's, like, it's celebrated, it's honored, it's revered, but that is not translated to so many other parts of our world or our culture or our society or our churches. But it should be. I mean, if you, if you commit your life to singleness, go for it. Say, Lord, I'm at your disposal. Whatever you want from me, my heart is undivided for you. The impact you could make is profound. 
Let's keep reading here. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 36. He says, if anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably towards the virgin he's engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sitting, they should get married. Getting married isn't wrong, and it's not sinful. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does, say it with me, better. Paul is writing this as a single man. And he was following a single man named Jesus. Marriage isn't a sin. It's not wrong. It's not what he's saying. I mean, we spent three weeks talking about marriage and the purpose of it because it's difficult to, to come to the same conclusion and move the same direction together in marriage. Married people say amen. But God has something for you if you're single. And it's not just like a partial leftover life. It is a life that leads to fullness and significance and impact in the kingdom. I mean, what Paul says, it's, it's the preferred model. So um, I'm going to close with this. I'd love to have the band come on up. Um, so I told you a little bit about my wrestling with God. What's funny is I took that year off. And uh, it was a unique year. I mean, I learned a lot. I grew a lot. I, it was actually in that year that I really felt solidified in my calling to ministry. And uh, ministry is, like, you can sub it. Maybe not all of you are called into ministry. All of you are called to mission, which is ministry. You know, so I say ministry like professional. All of us are called to ministry as representatives and disciples of him. So as I felt called and refined, like God was going, this is the route I'm calling you to. I want you to be a pastor, which I resisted. I was like, I do not want to do that. There was part of me that was like, okay, Lord, if you want to call me to a pastor, then, then it probably makes sense that I would be married. You know, I just, I'm like, just throw that in there. Since we're negotiating, <laughs> which we were not, it turns out. I finished up this year of no dating. I was ready to go. I was looking, and I was like, Lord, where is she? And there were no prospects. And then I went to seminary, which there were no prospects. <laughs> um, I remember this. It was one of the most significant days in my relationship with God. And I, I still remember right where I was. It's crazy. I remember right where I was, the room I was in, the lighting in the room, the out. I'm like, it was, it was like solidified in my mind. I remember the day I gave up. I said to God, I, I quit. I'm done fighting you. I've wanted this thing called marriage and a family and kids for as long as I can remember. I've wanted it. I've wanted it so bad. But Lord, if you're not if you're not inviting me into that, if you're not gonna give me that gift, I'm okay to let that die. Dude, it was heartbreaking. Like I, I still remember that conference room and it was like this weight on my shoulders fell off and it was like I lost. I just gave it up. I went, all right, I guess I'm gonna do what God calls me to do and I'll settle for a less than life. You know what happened? 
I never saw this coming. For the first time in my life, I had a vision for singleness, the way that I could live it for him. Like for the first time, I, it's crazy. Like as much as I remember the physical imagery in the room, I remember the mental image in my mind. It was like God gave me this, this like, hey, th- when you give your life to me, you die to yourself, but I can give you something new. I can give you something great. I, I remember all of a sudden I had this vision for like, okay, I, I'll travel the world then, Lord. I'll, I'll commit my life to service for you. I'll live out of a backpack if I need to. I'll travel around. I'll go place to place. I started thinking, I'm like, God, I, like, think about this, God. I, I can even go into places that, that is hostile to Christianity. You've, you've called me to be a Bible teacher. I, I can do that in places of the world that others can't go. I can learn. I can grow. I can adapt. I can move. I, I can never be tied down. It was like I started thinking about the life of Paul or the life of Jesus or the life of Ruth or Naomi, like all these different significant characters in the Bible that committed their lives to just being single, to following the Lord and his prompting. I was like, I, I have this incredible vision for what my life could look like living for the Lord in the season that he's called me to be. It was amazing. Some of you have not hit that point. Here's what I want to say. That idea or that vision for your life, whether you're single or whether you're married, can happen today. Like if you let him. The hardest thing to do, I didn't come to tell you something easy. The hardest thing for all of us to do is to let go of what we want and trust our Heavenly Father with it. Some of you have marriage and you don't want to lose it. It's like you don't want your spouse to die or, or, or the divorce that's been moving. You're like, God, please don't, please don't, please don't. Like intervene, please stop it. Some of you today, you just have to go, God, I just trust you. I just give it to you. What's coming up that I can't foresee, I just give it to you. What's ongoing and I don't know how it end, God, I, I just give it to you. Some of you are in a season of singleness right now and you're going, God, is this ever gonna end or is this what you're calling me to forever? Let it go. Just let it go. Because what God is after is a surrendered heart. That is what he wants more than anything. So what I'd love to do today is just close in prayer. And I just want to ask the Lord, married or single in this room, dating, engaged, widowed, divorced, remarried, what, whatever, whatever your season of life is, What I want to do just as we go before our Heavenly Father is I want you to ask for a vision for your life on mission. Can we do that together? Let's do that. God, we just come before you right now just grateful for the person of Jesus who went to the cross on our behalf, who died in our place, so that we might have a relationship with you and a purposeful life. God, I pray that every individual in this room right now, whatever season they are in, whatever struggle they're going through, whatever hardship they're enduring, for those that are lonely, for those that are sad, for those that are broken, for those that feel safe 
or secure, for those that finally got what they wanted, for those that are struggling after getting what they wanted, for every person in this room, what I pray for right now, Father, is that they, they would just, even as a posture of surrender, that they would just release their hands to you. That they would say, my life is yours. My relationship status is yours. My marriage is yours. My family is yours. My career is yours. My time is yours. God, everything I give, I give to you. Right now, Father, just hear from your people of what we lay down, what we give back to you. So much of even what you've given us. Father, what I just ask that you would do even right here in this moment is that you would move in a powerful way through your Holy Spirit, that you would give a vision for their life and the circumstance they're in right now. That you would show them pictures of what living on mission for you could look like for them individually. That you would stir in us a hunger for you that we would find our fullness in the sufficiency of a relationship with you. And I pray that what you would call us to and invite us to, I pray that you'd give us boldness, courage, and endurance to do it. We will be obedient to you. We are your people. You are our God. Thank you. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name and everybody said together.